Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. This week on The Exchange, we head to Mutech Festival in Montreal for a live interview with Gudrun Gut. She was an architect of the guignol dilettante era of Berlin subculture, which was one of the most fertile and influential times in the creative history of the city. An early member of Einstutz and Neubarten, she soon founded Mania D and Malaria, both of which are still considered landmark acts in German post-punk history. But this only marked the beginning of a long and winding career defined by independence, experimentation and agitation. Significantly, her moniker label and collective of female artists prefigured the modern-day rise of musicians organising around gender representation. But as we hear in this conversation with RA's Andrew Rice, this sort of attitude has come naturally to good for over 30 years. Despite the myriad changes she's witnessed, an effortless authenticity still runs through everything she does. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges on residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Gudrun Gut is up next. here with Gudrun Gut, who is uh, the pioneer of uh, all kinds of music, especially electronic music, from Germany, started many bands, um, has an illustrious solo career, runs a label called Monica Enterprises. I think she's one of like the pivotal forces uh, in Berlin for the last 30, 40 years. Uh, so you just finished a tour for your new, al- new album, Moment, last year, right? Um, the album is kind of like in between, it's kind of like cold wave, kind of synth pop, kind of down tempo, maybe like a, a, little, a little techno. After like four, five decades in, in this music, where do you see yourself in the electronic music world? What, what role do you occupy? Actually, when I started, I played drums and cork. So I st- didn't start with pure electronics, but in the 80s, it was pretty normal to have like electronic involved. But drums was more like my uh, physical kind of thing, and the the synthesizer was more the the head thing, and I'm still trying to combine like a physical experience with a a little bit sophistication. But I don't, uh, I wouldn't put my uh, my music in a kind of a genre. I don't know. Uh, what do you consider to be sophistication in music? Like stuff which is kind of exciting, you know, uh, which is not copied too much or like, you know, something I've heard thousands of times, something which is 
a little bit more uh, original or I don't know. Yeah. Your, your new album kind of strikes me as being like kind of uh, retro sounding, but also not. Uh, and I was wondering like, what kind of stuff uh, inspires you now to, to make your new music? With the album, I, actually, I'm a pretty busy girl, like, you know, with the label, and then, you know, I do the Monika Werkstatt and this and this and this. And uh, I had a project coming up which failed. So I had suddenly, I had two months kind of free. Like, I, I applied for some project and it didn't work out. So, and I thought, oh, I have two months free. I can do my album. <laughs> I can do a new album. So that, that was really wonderful. I just went to the studio and my first thing was I did wanted to go away from uh, more from this computer-based uh, recording. So I, because of recent years already, I got more like little analog stuff going kind of back where I, Uh, how I started actually I found this old uh, Cork MS 2000 actually not the 20 in our cupboard and I thought oh check it out again you know got a little bit into the old stuff because I wanted to have I just thought it doesn't really make sense to do an album anyway you don't make any money with it it's kind of a, it's a luxury <laughs> so uh, if i have if i take the do this luxury work i do what kind of excites me and that was more playing around with analog stuff and you know connecting it and then i got myself this really cool little new synthesizer and just trying stuff out recording it Then with Ableton and uh, editing it down, like you know, uh, producing it, finishing it up. But it was my, it was a lot of just real improv and being free about the work and just let it flow kind of thing, which was very uh, good for me because I already have so much uh, history in my body. Music. I, I think I, I can do pure techno. I c couldn't do it because it's not, you know, it's not wouldn't be natural because I come a little further back. You said you're, you've been busy lately. What else have you been working on aside from the album and the tour? The Monika Werkstatt. That uh, the la I mean, I have the label, two labels: uh, Moabit Music and Mo uh, Monika Enterprise. And the new, the extension for me is Monika Werkstatt. This is a collective work with um, 10 or more women out of the label context who do uh, play together. So we do, we, first we started, it's kind of a feministic thing as well. Uh, we started out uh, doing the Werkstatt combined with talks where we had a talk about how we work Because, you know, it had to do with a, a visibility project from female pressure. Because mostly men can't, or people can't imagine that women do work in the studio kind of thing. <laughs> And so we wanted to just talk about our work. That was part of the first Werkstatt uh, things, where we said how we record, how we arrange our life as an artist and stuff like this. So we had four to five female uh, producers, solo producers, sitting together and talking openly about their work. Then we did like uh, presented it like 
each of us played a short solo set and then we improvised together. And now this extended, we don't do the talks anymore. <laughs> I'm really sick of the talks. And uh, so we only do um, super experimental uh, improv sessions. Last year we had a Berlin edition where we always invited for the Werkstatt, we did a couple of Werkstatts in Berlin in like more underground places where each of us maybe wouldn't play because they don't have any, uh, you know, you d they don't pay. <laughs> but we wanted to, you know, play these places as well. And then we invited friends, female music, each artist invited one friend. So it, it extended into like a bigger collective. It was pretty cool and we got to know, each of us got to know different artists again and it's, it's super nice. Why is the uh, idea of collective important to you? For me, especially in music, as an art form, it's, it totally makes sense because it's uh, really the only art form where you can do things together. Like you, you can create something in a collective. It's like, I don't like the band idea so much, but it has to do maybe with the band as well, but it's not so like, uh, collective is bigger. Like, you know, it, it can, it, it's, it's extending, like, so you can have different people in, in there and then they go and, because everybody is busy, so, you know, some doesn't have time, another one goes in. And you learn from each other, you know, it's kind of a, it's always very inspiring. And how does recording that work when you have like tens of artists who are all working together and improving in various various sessions? How do you turn that into like a finished track? Uh, we had uh, we had a Monika Werkstatt session in the studio. I have a, we have a house on the countryside close to Berlin, and we have a big uh, studio, a big room, small studio but big room. So we all met there f over three four days. And Mo Loschelder from Media Loca was there as well. She was cooking, <laughs> luckily. And uh, pe people just get, went in and out. You know, Lucrezia Doll came uh, one day later. Barbara Morgenstern had to leave one day earlier because, and then sometimes there were all of us in the studios, sometimes only two. And then we recorded and recorded and recorded and afterwards, me and Antje, AGF, Antje Greyer, Fox Repati, went through the whole recording and each of, and no, before we listened to, to the staff and each picked like something they wanted to work on and each artist took like two pieces and finished it up, produced it, finished the production. So that was the Monika Werkstatt album. Because I didn't want to have a pure improv, you know, first improv and then make a record out of it. Didn't uh, seem uh, the right stuff to do. And I wanted to use the fact that they all are producers. So, and I wanted to hear what each one comes up with. So some of it is like a remix. Some of it is like a pop production. And it's, it's very different, depending on the artist. Uh, for you, is there a different feel or energy when it's all women in the room or all women involved? I mean, obviously, it's a big part of your career is empowering women. 
you, you, you yourself used the word empowering before, and your label, Monica Enterprises, is for releasing music by women. And I was just wondering, um, like, when your advocacy and uh, mission to empower women started? Very egoistic reasons. Because when I started out, I, you know, I was pretty young. I'm in this, like, since I'm 20, and I'm 62 now. <laughs> oh, God. And... Um, I saw, I thought, you know, it was the punk movement, and I thought, you know, now everything is going to change. You know, it's all equal. But, and there were lots of women at that time, but then they all disappeared. <laughs> and I thought, oh, something is wrong. You know, when I was good 30, I thought, mm, this is not right. You know, something is different. Even in the 80s, the, you know, we were looking for, you know, listening to music, to to older music, old blues, or what is, what is done. And then I, I realized it's only men. Why is there only men? But there were women, because there were lots of women in the blues as well, and writing music as well. But they were not, you know, they never got popular. They they were under the carpet, and I didn't like that because I was an artist myself, and I wanted to. Uh, it's egoistic, just for, for, because I wanted to be equal. Um, and so, how did you how, how did you start going about that, um, like with with the projects to empower and uh, feature women artists? How did I start? Uh, when I started the label, because you know I got inspired by a female artist myself, and. I get approached by a female artist because I'm a female artist. So I got approached by a, a, a good uh, musician. And then I didn't know, because I'm not so good with business, I didn't know really how, how to do this label uh, if it's not for me, because Moabit was re-releasing our stuff. If I release other people's music, it's... Uh, different and uh, then I informed myself and they said you have to find a niche and I said oh the niche is female music <laughs> in this world and that's why I kind of I thought oh maybe that's a good business kind of plan. Was that like a, a radical idea at the time? The label's like 22 years old now right? Yeah I don't know if it's uh, we started in 97 at that time, a lot of uh, labels started. I don't know if it was radical. It just was my interest. I, w I got pretty sick of it after a while because, you know, in every interview, I had to talk about why I signed female artists, but not the other labels had to do that. You know, the others were 99% <laughs> who signed only male artists. Do you feel like the electronic music and uh, experimental music, has it gotten better in the last 22 years for representation? How, how has it changed since you started Monica in terms of uh, women being represented? I think it's, uh, I think female pressure was really important. Uh, they uh, counted the fact studies they did. And I'm, I'm, female pressure is a, a female composer, a producer, non-binary as well, non-binary uh, and f uh, female kind of feminist mailing list of producers and artists and bookers, whatever, you know, all in the electronic music field. And w actually it started with Mutech. 
<laughs> Muting was very important important part of it because a lot of um, composers and producers wrote, oh, Mutek Festival, I love to play there, but they're only men again, you know, kind of. And then we kind of started, yeah, and then we, we, we said, yeah, I mean, that's strange, and, and but this other festival has only men too. And then we, we started counting the festivals, like who, how many female, how many male acts, just by like curiosity, because, you know, and then it, we were shocked by the results that it was 90% male all over the world. It wasn't, except Sweden. <laughs> Sweden was much better. And so like, and then we said, okay, but this is kind of important news. We have to kind of uh, do a press release for this. And everybody was really busy. Like the whole female pr pressure group was super engaged and, so we did a press release and a, a, we, we did a festival in Berlin, Female Pressure Festival. We had a talk with uh, CTM, for example, and other uh, festival um, promoters. And they first didn't understand it. What are we talking about? But now CTM has 50% quota. You know, they realize after a while, it, it takes a while. And even my, I have a lot of uh, friends from the music scene, electronic music, male friends and female, but male a lot. They didn't want to talk about the question because they, they said electronic music is, hasn't, doesn't have sex. So <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> so it took a while and I think now there's a bigger awareness and then other people picked up on it the press picked up I think in general uh, every female being wants to be you know equal and now they can drive in Saudi Arabia <laughs> do you think that there are more resources now for women in, in, in electronic music uh, actually a friend of mine complained <laughs> he said Oh, since they they all book now female artists, they don't book me so much anymore. I said, oh, I'm so really sorry. <laughs> but it's really important. I think that even, it, it's not a quality question. I think it's important uh, to give uh, female artists the chance to perform because every performance you do, and that every, every musician can uh, agree with this, you get better, you know, you learn so much. You, d you don't learn so much, you, you get, rehearsals are important, but shows are super important. One show is like 100 rehearsals, you know, because the mistakes you can make or, and, and how it is actually to perform it, it's super important. And so I think festivals and clubs should see that they do a, a female quota. In Berlin, this one club did a 100% quota for one year because they looked at the last years in their, in their history and they were not, they thought, wow, God, we have to get like kind of, e if we want to get even with the female quota, we have to do a 100%. So that was kind of nice, Ausland. You said before that um, working on your new album was like a luxury because there's not much point in making an album anymore. I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit. It's really hard to make an income with the album because you. I mean, with the label too. It's it's um, 
you, now, okay, you, you, can, you don't sell CDs anymore except in Japan. Vinyl costs a lot to make it, so you, you don't make any money on, just on the money side. It's like, I think all the eclectic new labels is, are done by rich people. You know, so <laughs> I'm not rich. <laughs> so as someone who makes um, a lot of uh, different kinds of experimental music and is involved in a lot of like quite obscure musical projects, how do you, how do you make a living off of it? How do you get by? A lot uh, through a live concerts, mostly f through gigs. And uh, so, you know, you said now there's obviously a lot more opportunity for women in electronic music being booked on lineups. There's more presence, but it's harder to make money. So as the industry has changed, has it gotten better for you or worse for you over like the last few decades, like with the recording industry changing? The last 10 years, I've very much concentrated again on... Uh, my artist life, so what is better, what is worse, I don't know. I enjoy my life, actually, and uh, financially it's better these years. Uh -huh. But there were always like, you know, as an artist, there are ups and downs. You gotta live with it. I'm used to it. I feel like you're uh, a pioneer in a lot of ways and a lot of things. Uh, but you don't always get a lot of recognition for it. And, and I was wondering if, if you feel like you yourself uh, are recognized for what you've done in music. I don't see myself so much as a pioneer. I don't know. But I guess sometimes I feel like, I feel, I feel a little frustrated, but doesn't everybody do that? Feel frustrated about, you know, stuff? I don't know. I think in general, um, female um, artists, musicians, writers, whatever, need uh, much more recognition. Yeah, in general. I wouldn't put it only on me. All right, so um, you've, you've been um, making music in Berlin since before the wall came down. And I was just wondering, you were there for like the, you know, the, the start of, of techno and raving in Berlin. And I was wondering if you were involved in the, in the techno scene, dance music scene at all, in like the late 80s, early 90s, what your experience was. I lived in Berlin, so sure, you know, we went to the, we went out clubbing, lots of clubbing, and I did some experimental loop uh, performances. I had a loop machine and like this kind of more like experimental stuff. Then I did the members of the Ocean Club album. It's more pop production, but with electronics. And with the album, we had um, a club in Berlin, uh, the Ocean Club at Tresor every Sunday. Upstairs was an alien with Tanit, and we were downstairs with the Ocean Club. Like, but we were more like the eclectic thing, with uh, wire music and like you know different kind of. We have had a mermaid, and it was more like, it was pretty cool actually. It was like, in those days, we, the club always had like the dance floor, and then the lounge, where the in in the lounge they did all the exp experimental stuff. And later with the Ocean Club, we had uh, the, we always did the lounge in, at the WMF. So we did club events, yeah, lots of club events, but different club events. And we traveled with the Ocean Club as well. It was a collective as well <laughs> with DJs Thomas Filman, Chica Paula, uh, Mike Vamp, Sun Electric, and different people coming in and out. And we invited other artists. 
so we did, did this club stuff. And then in uh, 97, uh, we got a radio show, the Ocean Club Radio, which is still, like, people still love it in Berlin. It was officially on Radio 1 for 15 years or something. Me and Thomas Feldman together did the show. He's a really good music collector. Uh, he's a collector and a selector as well. And we did, we did it together. Uh, and you said before, like at this point, you couldn't just make techno. Like it wouldn't be satisfying to you or natural to you. Uh, are you still interested in, in dance music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested in s some dance music. I'm very much looking forward to see Who Echo S. Is this right pronounced? Who Echo S? I really like the stuff. It's really cool. Some stuff I really like, some stuff not so. Um, and also, bef uh, I've noticed an undercurrent of. of an interest in pop music, like your stuff, some of your stuff is kind of like pop music. You said Ocean Club, there is some poppy stuff. So it's, it's like pop music, one of your passions as well? Yeah, I was thinking about that. Uh, I think it, it's not a real passion, but it, it always comes through uh, because I think there was always, I have a pop affinity. So I don't like normal pop music. But like, if it has a twist, or if like, if yeah, I guess I I can't shake it. It's there. No. So, but I don't like hard techno so much, and I don't like house so much. Strangely, <laughs> on your new album, there is a, a lot of singing and talking, and there's a, a lot of uh, German lyrics also. Yeah. Um, what. What are you What are you singing about and talking about in in, in German? Like, what what is what are, what are, what is the songs about? Because a lot of obviously a lot of electronic music does not have vocals, and your, I feel like yeah. your music is very vocal heavy. Yeah, it's more a little spoken word kind of stuff. It's pretty associate association kind of associative uh, lyrics. For example, I have one startup loch. It's called startup hole, and it's just about like you know you want to fly high kind of thing and but then you're kind of falling into a hole because you fly too high kind of and suddenly like oh i hope the hole is not too deep and this kind of thing and then you know because uh, this a lot of people i have the, have a startup these days and at first you think wow great and then ooh it didn't work out <laughs> So this kind of little, you know, uh, Gegenwart, like uh, present stuff, what's in the air, and put it into like, oh, the baby, I can drive my car in Saudi Arabia. It's kind of, you know, taking little things from the, from reality, putting it into a fantasy. Do you think there's humor in your music? Is that, is that important to you? I'm not English. So Germans don't have humor, actually. <laughs> That's what they say. So, uh, you know, when you get older, it's like everything is getting a little bit, it's not so serious anymore. Do you, do you enjoy that, like not taking yourself too seriously? Oh, yeah. Because it, it, does, it. <laughs> it does seem like not German. No, that's not true. That's not true. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy getting older very much because... Just, you know, when, you, when you're young, oh, God. Now it's like I, I already lived my life in a way. And so I'm much more relaxed about things. I get really mad sometimes, but still I'm much relaxer than 
and I, I, I'm not afraid of things anymore, or, you know, love can't kill me, kind of thing. You've been making music for like 40 years now, you're in your early 60s, has, has um, that experience and your age now, has that changed the way you approach writing music? Sure. How? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I this is hard to explain because if you have, you you can't really uh, explain experience because I experienced a lot of different times. You know, I experienced the eighties with all this kind of punk stuff, then the nineties with the techno, then the zero years with the kind of uh, networking beginning, and then the. Ten, tenor with the uh, social media, you know, every kind of ten, ten years is like very different. And if you experience the part, you feel older. <laughs> and you then, you know, if, if people now do like 80s music, I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's It doesn't sound right. <laughs> and why copy something which was already there? I don't get it. Um, and how do you keep uh, music exciting to your, for yourself after doing it for so many years? This is a very good question, but I, I never, I don't know because it's always, if it's worn out for me, for my taste, then I, it doesn't excite me. So it has to be something a little bit, you know, exciting. <laughs> and for the last album, for me, it was I changed my life setup totally with the... Now, what you saw last night was totally different from the last show, but I didn't want to play the last show anymore, so I didn't do any solo concerts the last two years. And then I changed the life uh, setting with like all this gear. You know, actually, this how stupid can you be? Because when I started... Uh, after playing drums, I, I was the one with a lot of carrying around with a drum as a drummer. And then uh, my aim was to have a really little luggage, you know, just for fly there with a little suitcase and good. And now I have luggage again. It's like going back. I'm going back. You know how old people get, get a little bit childish? <laughs> I'm getting. I'm going that way. I'm a teenager now. Um, yeah, what What drove you to to go and kind of like that, going back to the old equipment? Because like I was really sick of looking at the staring at the computer all day, just, and especially because every kind of work you do has to do with the computer. Even like, so you you always look in this computer, and then even if you do music, that was just going too much for me. So I wanted to have a little bit more, free myself of the computer. That was the main aim. All right. It might be a, a bit of a large question just for the end, but the question is, could you maybe elaborate a little bit on how you start, you know, how do you find uh, this inspiration? Are you? How do you be creative, you know, kind of... It is a natural part of my creativity. I would put it that way. Because I don't really, I don't look for it, it comes to me. You know, because I'm bored. If, I, if, I, if I'm not excited about something, I'm not doing it. You know, I don't do a concert where I don't want to, I don't play a festival I don't want to play. I don't do, oh, <laughs> 
No, we don't do that. <laughs> we, I mostly do stuff I want to do. Because I, I actually, I never, I think one part is I never was under the pressure of being commercially successful because I'm out of the line. <laughs> you know, as a female artist, I could always do what I wanted because nobody cared. <laughs> so that helped going this way. I had to make my, always my own decision. Sorry to ask another question. Um, I don't know if you've played a lot outside of Berlin and Germany. The, the, the music scene in Berlin, do you think there's a big impact on, on how it affects how, you, how you're writing? Or, or can you play, you think you could play anywhere else in the world and still have it be just as interesting? Is, is it, does the location of where you live, the location of where you live affect how you write? Or is it just people you're with, the people not you're surrounded anymore. by? Not anymore, I don't think, not anymore. Because I'm too old. But it, it used to be very important. My surrounding used to be very important. And I guess it is still. But yeah. it's not as important anymore as it used to be. Um, I just want to backtrack a second to that last little thread. Um, I was hearing in your response around the creativity question um, a lot of integrity um, is kind of what I heard a description of. And that ties into that answer you gave about being brave. Um, and so I'm thinking about, as someone who is some decades behind in a career, um, have you ever like negotiated that integrity and like learned to follow that path because of faltering, or have you just always inherently felt that way? I couldn't answer that question. <laughs> Sorry, but it's nice. <laughs> I think there's a, a sense in the um, histories of, of uh, collective artist structures that maybe um, competition is the uh, enemy of the collective goal and, and collective artists working. And I'm wondering with your extensive experience in, in multiple communities, multiple collective organizations, as well as like, you know, multiple genres, what maybe your experience with competition, whether it's yourself or, or the context that you find yourself working in has been? Uh, I think competition is not so... It's always there in collective as well. I think it's always there. But you have to... That's very complicated. Because competition, there's a, a, a little bit competition. Like, you know, where you can, like, oh, she's doing that. Mm, I want to do that too. It kind of... It kind of it, can be inspirational and kind of pushes you because pushing is not so bad, I think, to, to get things going. But then if it's too much, it, it, it uh, shuts you down, you know, if, if it's just like, oh God, typical com capitalistic competition. No, but a little bit is, is cool, but this is a collective, the collective is really good because there you can like uh, balance it nicely. So if one is to, uh, because especially in our uh, Monika Werkstatt, we are all solo artists, so everybody has a little issue. So, but we all know we can't really live it out because other, it wouldn't work. Like if, if we would be like super egomanic, the collective is not working. So we all have to kind of go back a little with our ego and that's the way a, co a collective is really good. I really like that about it. 
and then sometimes it's but you can't just always hold back you have to go and give something you know be a little bit brave and go for it but then don't you know it depends what kind of competition kind of stuff but you know what i mean <laughs> hi Gudrun. thank you so much i have a question um as i age i uh, become increasingly aware of or interested in the boundaries especially in the music industry around ageism and gender and it seems that you've managed to squeak through okay. <laughs> yeah, it's really strange too, yeah, because normally, uh, yeah, <laughs> I yes. know. But I'm, uh, I'm pretty openly saying how old I am now too, because they all look at me and say, oh, she's not a teenager. <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> and so, you know, if, if you just handle it openly, I think it's totally okay. Do but I'm surprised in my age to do this concert still. It's kind of weird. Well, and you also work with women of multiple generations as well. Yeah. I mean, are you discussing that as an issue? I, I, I had a, a little talk with Peaches recently who was talking about ageism, and she's also someone who's been able to still have a career, and yeah. we made jokes about Madonna and all of that. But um, for younger women to see through their artistic career um, that it, does it have longevity, and is there advice about longevity, like, Peaches was saying that ageism is kind of this new final frontier for, for women artists. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just surprised myself because it's all new kind of territory. It's, and uh, society changes. And I think, uh, I'm not sure how it is in, in America, but in Germany, like my generation is a big population. It's the biggest population. So maybe that helps too. You know, I don't know. It's new because I remember my mother at my age, she was preparing for a pension. So, but it depends what kind of a job you have. have yeah. to, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I think now you, you get much older if you live a healthy life, which I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't think too much about it, but... Um, it's surprising. I would never... I mean, when I was 20, I, I was thinking, like, 30 is horribly old. I, w I never imagined being 30, and now it's, like, <laughs> far beyond. Uh, I would like to know how has your perception of the audience changed, like, across your career? Like, when you started, like, would you pay attention to the crowd, or would you just focus on what you're presenting and right now like yesterday how was like your interaction well or your perception of, of the audience no like when you're performing i think it was always the same no i mean when i started i we we ignored the audience 80s you know kind of and we did like really crass m music so we we didn't please the audience you know for we were kind of so we had to be really kind of, we do what we do. It doesn't matter what you think about it because people didn't understand it. But then it got, got better and people now, I like a very, I, I, personally I, I prefer, I played a lot of theaters too where people sit. I don't like it so much. I like it better like last night where people are like, you know, 
dancing a little, drinking and, you know, having fun and reacting is much better. Much, it's much more, ex much more exciting. And theater is always like, oh, you know, really quiet and 